0: Two weeks ago, the Scriptures invited us to consider the meaning of mercy, the meaning of forgiveness. And good old Peter, thinking he's setting the bar high, says that one ought to forgive seven times. I want to have Jesus say, no, 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 no. Not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, your mercy should imitate God's mercy. It should be exorbitant it should be excessive. And mercy, forgiveness, we also considered was to be able to give to others what they necessarily do not really deserve or merit, right? To be for giving, to be pro-giving. Giving Giving to others, although we've been hurt by them, they've sinned against us, they mistreated us, and although they don't necessarily merit or deserve it, to give the gift of mercy, the gift of forgiveness. Why? Because we have been given such a great gift of mercy from God when we didn't deserve it or merit it. And rightly so, maybe as you heard that invitation to forgive, or maybe you experienced a pool to extend mercy, you began to consider others. Maybe you began making a list. This person, this person, that person. But in all this talk about forgiveness, did you put yourself on the list? In our response to a psalm just sung for us moments ago, the psalmist, he makes this prayer. He says, Remember your compassion, O Lord, and your love from of old. The sins of my youth, remember not. In your kindness, remember me because of your goodness, O Lord. You see, the psalmist begins to ask, Lord, not to remember his sins of his youth. And I think his prayer can be rephrased in this way. Lord, remember not the sins of my past, the sins I'm ashamed of, the sins that haunt me, the sins that I've buried down in my heart. Lord, remember not those, but remember me. Remember me in your goodness, O Lord. You see, in short, his prayer is asking the Lord to look past his sins, but to look to him, to see him. You see, he's not proud of the things he's done. He knows that he hasn't lived up to the life that God is calling him to. And he recognizes he's come short, He's come up short in living life to the fullest, living life the way that God invites us to live and that gives us happiness and joy and peace. But he says, no, Lord, look just to your creation. Look to the creation of the Creator. Look at me, Lord. You know how often we find ourselves hoarding our past, burying it in our hearts, not forgiving ourselves of the things that we've done. But remember, mercy and forgiveness implies giving when one does not deserve it. So I ask you, do you really deserve to excessively beat yourself up over your past? Do you deserve to jump into the abyss of unforgiveness, just spiraling down, not being lifted up? Now, let's make some clarifications. This is not a self-help homily. This is not a, just look to your future, don't worry about your past, you're good just the way you are. Nor is it, let me just make everyone feel good, dismiss the gravity of sin, homily. That's not it either. Because self-help and false encouragement is not what is needed, my brothers and sisters. But true mercy, true forgiveness of ourselves, that is what is needed. how much we need to extend mercy to others, but also to extend it to ourselves. Because let's think about this. If the God of the universe, if the God who has created everything that's visible and invisible, if we can go to him and if he can forgive us of our sins, how much more can we let it go, while we're holding it? How much more can we extend that mercy and forgiveness to ourselves? So maybe you find yourself sitting here in this beautiful cathedral church, hearing a homily on forgiveness of self, but you're still filled with shame and guilt. And maybe you find yourself saying, Father, I, can't, I just can't forgive myself. I'm too disappointed in my actions, in the sins of my past, in the sins of my youth. And in one sense, that is good. Because shame and guilt is not evil in itself. Rather, shame and guilt is allowed by God so that we can recognize the gravity of what we've done, so that we can recognize that we've damaged our relationship with God. But it's only to the extent that we and then turn to him. It's only to be to the extent that we turn to him and receive his mercy. It should not be an abyss that we go into. And oftentimes, how much do we allow it to overwhelm us, possess us, let it control us, and let it dictate how we live our lives? In short, our, sh- our shame and our guilt becomes our God. My brothers and sisters, the one true God though, speaks to us today. He has some very powerful and encouraging words for us through the prophet Ezekiel. And he says to you and I today, If one turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life. Since he has turned away from all his sins that he has committed, he shall surely live life. That's what awaits us when we seek God's mercy as well as seek the mercy we give to ourselves. Life and life abundantly. But I'd like to invite you to listen to the words that follow. It's not present in the text we read today, but it's so powerful, the words that God speaks to both of us through the prophet Ezekiel. He says, Repent and turn from all your sins, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the sins which you have committed against me, and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, says the Lord God. So turn and live. Who said the Old Testament was just about the justice of God? Rather, see the mercy of God present and alive. And see, the Lord invites us today. He encourages us today. He exhorts us today to cast away our sins. But in doing so, he invites us also to forgive ourselves. How often when we repent, we fail to live up to that aspect of repentance. Turning away from our sins, facing the God of mercy, but also to forgive ourselves. There's such powerful words that God gives to us today when he says, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone. So turn and live. You see, our God has no pleasure in seeing you and I beat ourselves up as we fail to forgive ourselves. You see, He desires that we don't die in our shame, but rather live in His mercy. To live in His mercy. I can't help but think of the story of the prodigal son. You see, the prodigal son goes off, squanders everything, and he comes back. But remember his response to the father? He says, look, dad, I've messed up, so let me just be your slave and your servant. That's all I'm worth. That's all I'm worth is to be your servant. But then the father, he says, no. He throws the biggest party you've ever seen to show him one thing. That he had always been, and he will always be, first and foremost, his beloved son. His beloved son. And my brothers and sisters, that's what the Father does with us. He reminds us that first and foremost, we are his beloved sons, and we are his beloved daughters. And our sin does not define us. It does not define who we are. Man, how we ought to see with the eyes of the Father, to see ourselves first as beloved sons and daughters of a merciful God. So the question I present to all of you, what are you still holding in? What is it that you just can't let go of? The Lord says, come to me, turn and live. It's the invitation of a merciful God. Every Saturday we have confession from three to four. But more importantly, we have confession at, either, at any time. Call us. Come to the office. Do not be afraid to seek the sacrament of mercy. Don't be afraid to hear those words, I absolve you of your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Come to the socket of mercy so you can lay everything down. Whatever you're holding in, whatever's bearing burden on your heart, the Lord says, come to me all you who are laboring a burden. I will give you rest. Lay down what you're holding in. Because we make that prayer, Lord, remember not the sins of my past. And when we do that, and we make that prayer, he says, you got it. I see my beloved son I see my beloved daughter. So maybe hear those words afresh again. Repent and live. Turn and live. Receive a new heart and a new spirit. My brothers and sisters, this is what awaits us. When we approach the sacrament of mercy, when we fall into the merciful arms of the Father, and don't forget also, when we forgive ourselves of the sins of our past, life. That is what awaits us. God bless you.